All vacant head coach jobs in the NFL have now been filled. Derek Carr on the move, officially released, but where is he headed? All on today's Peacock and Williamson Mailbag. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL on Twitter. That's where the questions will come from on today's episode. Thanks, everybody, for getting those questions in, by the way, and making us your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. Ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your football franchise? Then this game is definitely for you. Download the game. Just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code Locked On inside the game. Let's start with the head coaches in the NFL, Matt, which is All good right. news, I think, of this Wednesday as we sit one day after Valentine's Day. Hope you had a nice one. And we've got some matchmaking in the NFL, right? And that's what the offseason yeah, is all go. about. And we've seen it now with the head coaches in the league. And Jonathan Gannon is now going to be the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Shane Steichen is a match with, they said, we got our guy. That was their, their tweet with Shane Steichen. So both of the... Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl squad offense and defensive coordinators are now heading to new homes. D'Amico Ryan's head coach of the Houston Texans, Sean Payton in the Denver Broncos, and Frank Reich was the first one hired, and he is the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. More on the Panthers and their QB and how that matches up with Derek Carr a little bit later. But the two newest ones, especially Jonathan Gannon here, that we haven't talked about yet, uh, new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. How are we fear- feeling about these head coach hires, man? Real quick, I, I mean, I think let's first start with the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles, we haven't got into free agency much. It's about a month away, but they have a lot of free agents to deal with, and now they just lost two coordinators. So I understand that they have two premium picks in the first round, which is amazing and almost unfair, but I have to think that Philly probably will have a worse roster next year than this year, especially if you include the coaching staff. You know what I mean? That's the price of being a Super Bowl, you know, a great organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way around And, it. yeah, of course, we'll, we'll get into a little bit deeper later in the week, uh, as we do when teams are eliminated, and obviously the Chiefs weren't eliminated, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. tomorrow's show is actually a perfect time for it to to really dive into those yeah, off-seasons and how those things are going to happen and for – the the Eagles, when you lose that many potential free agents and players, and there's some short-term contracts there and some older players that might be aging out of the NFL at some point very soon, if not this year, you got to replenish some young talent. They have extra picks. Uh, it's an interesting one. And now offensive and defensive coordinators on both sides. And it's what happens when you start winning is you start getting poached from all directions. Oh, and yeah. It's hard to stay winning in the NFL. So as long as Sirianni and Hurts are the guys and got the coach quarterback connection like the Chiefs, they'll, they'll be sticking around. They'll be okay. Uh, more on the details of how they should do their uh, their uh, diligence here in the offseason, though, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Jonathan Gannon's an interesting one. And yeah, the, the, let's start there. The funniest thing to me with is the immediate thing that came to mind for me is that uh, – Jonathan Gannon was a coach that knew how to utilize 
Hassan Reddick that the Arizona Cardinals used to have and couldn't find any coaches that bought him as a rusher. They're using yeah, yeah. him as the wrong position as an off-ball linebacker. It's like so. It's like too late. It's too bad they couldn't have Jonathan Gannon five years ago when they drafted Hassan Reddick in the first round, and he was worthy of a first-round pick. But they didn't use him that way. And so I just thought that was kind of amusing. Is they're like, I wonder if that was one of the things. They're like, well, this guy's really smart. He could have made our past teams better. So surely he can make our future teams better. So. I'm not avoiding the situation, but commenting on these two men, especially Gannon, is really difficult for me, to be very honest with you. I mean, I just Wikipedia'd him. He's he's 40 years old. He was a defensive coordinator there for two years. I've never seen an interview with him. He's young. He's from St. Ignatius High School, which is in Cleveland. We used to recruit that school. Good school. Great. I mean, does that mean he's a good head coach for the, the Cardinals? I honestly don't know. Um, there's not a lot of body of work as us as outsiders have to analyze him. I do understand he's young, he's smart, he's personable, but he's unproven and dealing with Kyler Murray's difficult. And I will say the Super Bowl did not leave a good taste in my mouth with Coach Gannon. I mean, not, you know what I mean? Like it, it, he let up a lot of points and watching the Super Bowl on a second time around, I just saw a lot of basic zones basically just running out there saying, my players are better than yours. We have a great front four. What are you going to do about it? You know, and didn't switch to much man, um, didn't make a lot of adjustments. I I didn't think that was promising. And we know the Cardinals is not the most attractive job out there. How many people were banging down the door for it? Well, it did seem like there was a lot of interest in Jonathan Gannon, at least from other teams, which is a good sign. Right, and he right. was, you know, the teams like the Broncos and um, and I think the Colts interviewed both coordinators from the Eagles, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So it wasn't the mm-hmm. only team that had some interest in Jonathan Gannon. I don't know if he was going to get the offer from any of those other teams or if he'd sold, you know, GMs and and ownership. And I think that's one of the con- connections. And anytime you're looking at a, a franchise and wondering, ah, who's this GM going to hire as a head coach? Mm-hmm. Go see who they're connected to, because there's some course, connections to and Fort and and Jonathan Gannon, which I think is part of this, and you know it's that can be a good thing as well. Um, oh, yeah. uh, you don't want you don't want them to have blinders on when they're searching for their next head coach, but you, you want to work your relationship together. though. Yes, you know, right, absolutely. right, right. They have so to work. It in seems like they they would have that here in Arizona with Jonathan Gannon, um, but yeah, when whenever. Whenever the Eagles, it's fair to point to their path to the Super Bowl and point to whenever they played a team that had a really legit offense with a legit quarterback. Which there weren't many of them. They scuffled a little bit, and it wasn't that often, right? Right, right, right. It's fair to point that out. So we'll see what it looks like with Jonathan Gannon. And, and it's possible that a, that a guy's a better head coach than even a, a defensive coordinator. Not that he was a bad defensive coordinator either. So it's really just hard because we haven't seen it's him do the job. Yeah. And we'll, we'll learn a lot more about Jonathan Gannon. I think when you look at the NFC West and you see offensive masterminds like Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, and plus you just had an offensive head coach, I think it shouldn't be surprising at all that they went on the defensive side of the ball, the Cardinals. I get it. Uh, there's been a lot of talk, and this is, you know, everything always goes back to the Steelers, but I've been asked this like 10 times in the last week. Can a defensive-minded, conservative head coach win in this league? I don't know if this guy's conservative or not. How would we know? I just know he's defensive-minded and young. I assume he's analytically inclined, being a 40-year-old. You know, I mean, I'm sure he's open to that more than Don Shula and Landry were and you know, Hallis and you know, the old guys, you know. But yeah. I don't well, know. If he, I mean, if he took anything from Nick Sirianni, he's not going to be conservative. Yeah. Exactly. And the Eagles were like the most analytically inclined team in the league, too. So you would think that would carry over. I think that's promising. But again, it's just a big incomplete. I don't know. 
And frankly, I don't know if Shula, Landry, or Hallis could turn the Cardinals around. I mean, that that team's in trouble. It's a weird team, but their quarterback is supremely talented. He is. He and is. if there's a connection there with the quarterback and they get that working, that's and they've got talent. They've got talent on both sides of the ball. Like it's mm-hmm. a team that could still they be have an early pick. Yeah. They so could end if, up with if you're Bidwell, your your ownership, that's probably what you want to hear from the GM candidates and the head coach candidates. Like, we should be winning. We should be a better football team than we are right mm-hmm. now. And and so I we'll see. Tend to agree. Next, we got to talk Derek Carr. Derek Carr officially released by the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, some animosity, some leaks coming out of Las Vegas as well about the toughness in question of quarterback Derek Carr. Where may he land? And tons more questions from the mailbag next. Today's episode brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. You've heard of it's heard us talk about this mobile app before. And uh, I mean, come on, we're talking to football fans here and this is a football game. And if you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM, this is the game for you. Managing your football franchise from top to bottom. Your dream can come true with Ultimate Football GM. Manage every strategic aspect for your team. Play through seasons, lead your team to glory and try to build that dynasty playing up to 25 years. And Ultimate GM, you're responsible for controlling not only the you know you could control the naming rights if you want to of your stadium build yourself a juggernaut financially as well as on the field as you collect trophies hire and fire the right coaches and coordinators in the right schemes trading for players trading away players navigating your franchise through free agency of course the NFL draft and all the ups and downs of a season so Locked on listeners as well can get a 100% free boost to their franchise in game when using promo code locked on inside the game store. That's locked on all caps, one word. So make sure you check it out today. Download the game. Just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate football GM. Start your dynasty today. Thanks again, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure you check out everything the network has to offer. The new Locked On NFL Draft and your team is covered right here, not, no matter the sport at Locked On. All right, we got questions about Derek Carr, uh, multiple questions right. about Derek Carr. And where is the best landing spot both for Carr and for the team that might be looking to add Derek Carr? Do you think, Matt, that the that him saying no to the trade was him saying, I need to talk to more teams and not just the, the New Orleans Saints, or was he kind of sticking it to the, the Raiders a little bit, or was he just like, oh, I'm going to make way more as a free agent anyway, so I just need to try to get that route. I mean, when you see what happened with Kirk Cousins hitting free agency, a legitimate starting quarterback, even if you're not a Tier 1 quarterback, oh, yeah. you are a legit free agent quarterback in the NFL. I mean, that's a gold mine. It is. I think it's all the above. I think, first of all, it's like, why would I do you guys any favors after benching me when I really didn't deserve to be benched? I know I'm the best quarterback on the team and you guys bench me and embarrass me. I'm not going to yield you a pick. And I do think tearing up his contract, which basically just happened, is wonderful for, wonderful for him financially as well as, well, I guess he had the ability to go wherever he want with his no trade clause anyway. But I also think that Maybe it is the Saints, and it's going to be a done deal the second we stop you know, recording this. Who knows? Maybe he's thrilled there. They're thrilled with him. That's very possible. But why hurt your new team and say, wow, that, I, I don't want the Saints to be short a second-round pick. That could be a guard for me or another receiver. or you know." So I think all those things are in play. 
I think he's going to be coveted. I mean, again, you said it well that it, guys like him rarely are true free agents. You know, I think four or five teams would be crazy not to consider him. And and I think New Orleans should be near the top of the list. Here's something I'm going to throw at you because I think I know your answer and it might be different than mine. If you're the Jets, they've been linked to Rodgers. Would you rather have Carr at his age and a big price tag? Or Rodgers, at his advanced age, which might only one more year, two more years, a bigger payday or a bigger cap hit, and it's going to cost you at least a first-round pick. You know, I mean, probably more. Who would who who gives you a better chance? And, and there's a timing aspect of it, too. So that's where Derek Carr can really cash in. Because I think of teams like the Panthers, who went through this, you know, weird quarterback carousel purgatory last year and and Mm -hmm. didn't make the right decision you know the commanders um the uh, the saints themselves too and and so you you went through this and it's like i'm not going to go through that again i want to i want to know what i'm getting at quarterback i'm going to move fast and i'm going to go for the best guy that's available right now which is Derek carr and if you're the Mm -hmm. jets i think there's a similar um aspect to that of okay let's say we'd rather let let you know I, i think it's fair the way you laid it out too to say okay in a vacuum, same cost. Give me Aaron Rodgers. Over of course, there, he's right? a better football player. Yes, and but when you consider age, you consider cost. Maybe Derek Carr closes that gap. Maybe he passes him up. And then when you consider, okay, well, if we let somebody else jump in and get Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers either retires or stays in Green Bay. Well, now we got neither. So you got to move fast. And so mm-hmm. if you're the Jets, I think the argument would be let's make sure we have a good quarterback instead of sitting back and waiting and maybe not ending up with a good quarterback. So I think that's where we could see a frenzy for Derek Carr as these teams realizing like we can't go through this whole thing again and end up with no quarterback. And if you're picking ninth in the draft or you're picking 11th in the draft like the Titans are and you might be on the outside looking into the quarterback you want in the draft anyway and spending a bunch getting up just solidify it with Derek Carr now. It's well said. The timing thing is very important, and I think it should be addressed. I'm glad he did. You know, like you mentioned Carolina. They, I know Deshaun Watson's a different beast, but they danced around with him last year and ended up on the short end of the stick, and then you're settling for Darnold and Mayfield and Corral. And, you know, and um, I, I do think it's it's a rare opportunity to add a legit starting quarterback in the middle of February because not only do you know, but you can start building your offense around his strengths, not, you know, maybe it's Rogers, maybe it's Carr, and it's easier on Carr. I mean, he's to get his nose in the playbook now, as opposed to, I mean, it's not easy changing teams for a quarterback and, you know, all the mental side of it and learning and all those things too. So he'll get the leg up when he's, he'll be ready to go in training camp way ahead of most guys that change teams. And since he was released, he won't count against the compensatory formula either for those teams. So a little yeah. Bonus there versus another high-priced free agent. By the way, from Jeremy Fowler, the Raiders were looking for a third-round pick for Derek Carr, even sure. if trade was unlikely. Felt modest trade compensation coupled with reasonable year-one money for a good starter made it plausible, but too many hurdles. And now Carr is that free agent. You know what, though? Now that I think about it, so what if there is multiple teams, and there probably will be, mm-hmm. that, that are making offers for Derek Carr now that he's a free agent? Is he going to have a lower cap hit than Aaron Rodgers? Because the Packers are going to eat <laughs> a lot of of money there, and, right, and the right. Packers take a big hit. It might it might be the case where Aaron Rodgers' cap number comes in a little bit lower than than Derek Carr's over the course of the next one or two years. 
That's possible. I guess I hadn't thought of that angle. I just knew Rogers' contract gets crazy, but if Green Bay eats some of it, which they probably could do since love's cheap. Restructure. Yeah, that type of thing. Uh, maybe that is the case. Certainly the draft pick compensation is at play here. Here's the other thing, though. You know, like you mentioned timing, and I keep thinking about that. I don't – I'd love to have Aaron Rodgers, but you know it's going to be a dance. You know it's not going to be quick and easy. I mean, nothing about anything he does is quick and easy. You know, it's not just going to be, boom, that's where I wanted to go. Let's make the deal, bum, you know, done, you know, end of story. And is he – he's an all-time great. But right now, in 2023, is he the crown jewel that he once was as a player? You know, I mean, maybe – I mean, if anyone could prove it, I thought he was done when they drafted Jordan Love and he had won MVP since, you know, I mean, I'd never yeah. doubt him, but if he's in the hills doing mushrooms and doesn't care that much and is up in age and doesn't want to stand in the pocket and take a hit, is he still the crown jewel star that he was? I, I could see some GMs saying, do we even want that headache? And next right. offseason he's going to go to another retreat and we're not going to know. And he's going to kind of be holding our team hostage. I think ownership would probably say, I want that name on the back of my team's jersey, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with whatever. So there, there's big decisions made. And, and when it comes to ownership and GMs and then, you know, you, you, your locker room, your own job security, if you're head coach and GM, it's like, well, look, we might get fired next year anyway if we don't get a good quarterback. So mm-hmm. I'll worry about next offseason, next offseason. Let's win as much as we can right now. So we still yeah. have that job next offseason. It's also much different being the starting quarterback or the center fielder of the Yankees in New York than it is New Orleans or Carolina. You know, like there's a lot more room for error in those cities. I don't know Derek Carr, but he seems to have thin skin. Uh, is he the quarterback for the Jets? I mean, or could Rodgers turn on the media there too? Like that's not an easy gig. I mean, you're going to be criticized for every step you take. Got a question here from quite terrific. And uh, this is about uh, you know some of the chatter about Baltimore moving away from Lamar Jackson. He says if you're bringing in receivers and installing a new system, why couldn't they just do that with him there? It seems that they have done him a disservice not surrounding him with any real weapons. Sands Mark Andrews at tight end, and now we know what kind of we know what offense is going to come to town because Todd Munkin has been hired as Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator, and mm-hmm. so adding on to uh, Mister Terrific's question here matt do you think todd munkin and his scheme makes it more or less likely that lamar is going to be a baltimore raven Uh, a lot to unpeel here i mean first of all i forget where i saw this because i wanted to clip it and just you know uh, put it on twitter or share it for the podcast but anyway since lamar has been a raven i think mike sando did this this sounds like a sando type thing no team has used less resources on wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends than the Ravens. And that totally adds up. I mean, during his, what, five years in the league, they have the least draft picks and cap money dedicated to pass catchers and ball carriers. I I saw this as well. And I I think you might have it a little bit wrong because I'm sure it was all about dollars. Okay, that makes sense. Because when I saw that, I thought instantly, okay, dollars is one thing, but they've spent draft picks. Marquise Brown and... Mark Dobbins was Brown, high pick. Didn't and, pay him, right? Right, right, right. Um, it is it is money. It's fine. And Rashad Bateman, right. first round picks. Right, 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 right. drafted two first round wide receivers since but they've cap had cap space and dollars, they're yeah. last. And that and totally it, adds up. 
J.K. Dobbins, they drafted high in the second round, too. So mm -hmm. they've drafted weapons around him. They just haven't had high dollar players around him. So I think it is okay. a little bit misleading when I saw that. I, immediately, I was like, wait a second. This is, you know, you're and it's hard because there's a lot of people that really love Lamar Jackson, including me. And but I think a lot of people are trying really hard to paint the Ravens as a villain in all of this. I know. And I and I think there is. There is a little bit of and and. Lamar Jackson shouldn't be painted as a villain either. It's like, no, don't, right. don't hate the player, hate the game. The, the, the franchise owes, an, owes it to themselves as an organization to do what they think is the best thing for them. And if there's too many guarantees that Lamar Jackson's asking for, they should try not to pay those guarantees, right? And they should try mm -hmm. to do what's best for their organization. So they can, because they're definitely not going to be able to spend dollars around him if they pay him everything and everything's guaranteed and uh, the style of play. So there's a lot to consider there and you shouldn't hate Lamar Jackson for trying to get the best contract for him and his future. And he knows his style of play and, and that's why he might be looking for so many guarantees. So um, I, I just I, it does feel like people are trying really hard to make the Ravens into a, a villain here in all of this because they love Lamar Jackson. And I understand loving Lamar sure. Jackson, but uh, nobody's a villain in this situation. This is the business. Right. I, I absolutely see both sides of this negotiation and I understand them both. And I would take the exact same stance if I were the Ravens or Lamar, if there's a villain, it's the Browns and Deshaun Watson <laughs> you know, for setting the precedent to be that's, honest. It, and that's probably what the Ravens are saying is like, I, I know you have this comp for a contract that you want, but we're not doing but it. It's insane. That was dumb. And they right, screwed right. up by doing it. And we're not going to screw up like that. And the other teams wouldn't would do the same, you know, and right. the reason he got it is because he was traded to a quarterback needy team that was willing to do something mm -hmm. dumb. And there's probably teams out there willing to do that. And so Lamar's right. probably like, well, I could probably find a team that'll do it. And the Ravens are like, yeah, you probably can. Gosh, dang it. You know? <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's why we're where we're at. Exactly. Back to this question, though. Maybe we could do it on the other side of the break because it might be a longer conversation if you want. Because I think there's a lot to unpeel, and I liked how the question was asked. Absolutely. More on Lamar. And I've got another question about who's going to make more money. Lamar, Burrow, Justin Herbert. We'll get to those questions next. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Oh, the NFL, NFL season is over, but you can still bet on some NFL futures, by the way. They've got those Super Bowl odds for next year up at FanDuel. And it's the midpoint of the NBA season. Perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Safe, secure, super easy to use. The, the website couldn't be any easier to navigate. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlays. And it is super fun to build those parlays and saw a guy win $82,000 on FanDuel with his uh, Super Bowl parlay that he put together that was anytime touchdowns for Travis Kelsey, uh, Jalen Hurts, and then he hit it at the end with that Kadarius Tony touchdown ah, nice, and nice. got a huge payout on, I think he bet, I think he put $4,000 down, $4,000 down and ended up with an $84,000 payout. And that's what a parlay can do for you. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, getting back to this Lamar Jackson mm -hmm. uh, conversation here with the Baltimore Ravens, which is it's going to be the biggest storyline of the offseason. And I believe it's March 8th, March 7th or so, a week before free agency starts on March 15th. 
is when the deadline is to franchise tag Lamar Jackson. And it really seems like that is clearly the way this is going to go unless there's some trades that heat up uh, before then. And the the Baltimore Ravens allow Lamar Jackson to go seek such a trade. Uh, but I think you had a thought here on this whole situation before we before we step yeah. forward. Yeah, I, I mean, I believe, and there's many, many examples lately that and that your legs can get you by as a quarterback until your brain and arm catch up at the NFL level. You know, Jalen Hurts, perfect example. Josh Allen, you know, I mean, there's tons of them. And Lamar was a perfect example as well. So when he came in the league, I think they did him a service running the style of offense they do that no one else on the field on the league does. I mean, they often have one wide receiver on the field, three tight ends, a fullback that's as big as a guard. You know, they run a, a very, very high amount. Everyone knows these things. But back to the the question, I think there's a massive misnomer, stereotype, prejudice, whatever you want to call, that this is the only way Lamar can play. I don't believe that at all. I, I think you could put him in any offense, the Brady offense, and he would be very, very good, you know? So I don't think you have to play this way. If Atlanta trades for him, if Carolina trades for him, well, they better draft a bunch of tight ends and a fullback and run the ball 80,000 times. I don't believe that to be true. And I do think now, the last couple years, this year, last year, the Ravens' style of play is holding Lamar back, to be very honest with you. He could do more for his team by throwing to wide receivers, doing some more traditional things, mixed in with the common elements. And I think Harbaugh realizes that now. You know, and Monken's a much more traditional hire. And getting him hurt, which is and getting him hurt. Right. Why the guarantees is something that probably the Ravens don't want to go to. And then why Lamar Jackson is smart to try to get as many guarantees in his contract as he can. Right. right. And and he was even hurt this year and it hurt the Ravens opportunity to go win. So you're going to pay him all this money. And if he if this style of play continues, he's more and more likely as he ages to get hurt, get hit more. And we saw what happened to, you know, careers like Cam Newton's who right. didn't, you know, uh, didn't end up developing into a surgeon as a quarterback. And then his shoulder just gets shredded because, you know, and, and he was used a little bit differently than Lamar too. He's mm-hmm. used more as a battering ram, you know, and, and I worry, actually I worry a little bit about Jalen Hurts. He had a, shoulder too, a lot this year, right. And all those right. QB sneaks and taking hits and he's a strong guy and uh, you have to save quarterbacks from themselves. So you would, you would, Fast forward in Lamar Jackson's career, and you would definitely want to dial back the design runs, let him run and go, you know, wreak havoc on the league, right? But it it would need to start skewing more and more towards hitting my back foot, three-step drops, getting the ball out, you know, rolling out, making big plays, finding plays, look a little bit more like Russell Wilson, look like, you know, Steve Young. Steve Young is the perfect example. Dude ran an option in college. He could not play at the NFL level. Ended up not playing, uh, not working out with the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was thirty years old and had to sit behind Joe Montana for a while in Bill Walsh's offense before he actually became an NFL quarterback. Like it takes some time, and he he couldn't rely on just his legs anymore at the NFL level. He had to learn to be a quarterback, and he eventually did. And it took him until he was thirty to do so. And so mm-hmm. it can be a process, and depends on where you are and where you land. But clearly, with the Ravens changing offensive coordinators, I think they wanted to change it to answer the original question here on Lamar Jackson. I think that's the path anyway. Whether Lamar stays or not, they wanted to start changing that offense. And it's funny because Greg Broman has now been pigeonholed into uh, like the the running quarterback offense guy. 
You know, right, so now right, he's right. going to sit and wait and see, well, which team needs a, run, a running quarterback offense. And when he was hired by Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco, he was running an offense for Alex Smith. And all of a sudden Kaepernick came along. And so he dove deep and started calling plays out of the, the pistol formation. And he and that that offense did so well that now he uh, got hired to do the same thing for Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. And now he's become this, you know, I'm going to run a, a, a running style quarterback offense. And that's his his niche. And I don't even know if he wants that to be his niche either, because that wasn't originally what he was doing when he was calling plays uh, as a, as an offensive coordinator when he started. So the whole thing is weird. And it's like a, a chicken or the egg thing about Lamar Jackson and, and how they play. Do they have to play that way? How much can it change? Will it change? How much do you pay him? How long can he last playing this style? So there's just so many questions up in the air, which makes this one contract so intriguing and so difficult, I think for both sides. Yeah, again, it is a balancing act. It's a chicken or egg situation. You could look at it like a front office, like, let's pay him like crazy, but know that he's only going to last six years. You know, he's not going to play when he's 35. You know, I mean, we're only going to get Cam Newton was a bright and shining star, but he didn't last okay. You know, so so be it. We'll draft Jalen Hurts in the second round a year earlier than we should. Um, It also brings me to the Colts. You know, the Colts just hired the Eagles – offensive coordinator does that mean they want to draft anthony richardson and pound him into the ground like hurts and right uh, i mean we all know hurts bench or uh, it squats 600 pounds great but as matthew mcconaughey said and i always use this reference i keep getting older but those high school girls say the same age <laughs> well, well the, the defense is the high school girls and, and the quarterback mm-hmm. is matthew mcconaughey and it's never going to change and they're going to beat the crap out of you more and more the older you get a question from zachary says which of the 2020 QBs is going to earn the biggest contract. And and I would throw Lamar in here too, because Lamar is going to get a crazy contract and then burrows up next. He's going to get a crazy contract. The the answer to me, uh, it's a good question, Zachary. The answer to me is whoever signs last. Exactly. Timing's the key, right? I want $1 more than Herbert got. Okay. In a vacuum, I would say burrow though. I think he's the most accomplished slash young slash important to his team. Burrow will be the guy, and then we'll see if anybody surpasses him. I think mm-hmm. it's kind of the, the right answer there. But it's going to be astronomical numbers. I mean, uh, Zachary also had a question here that, that I want to hit, and he's uh, a frequent tweeter, tweeter into the show, yeah. longtime listener. Appreciate everybody out there who's always involved with our uh, mailbags here. And we're not going to be able to get to everybody's questions, but he's got a question about Antonio Gates. We, we saw the 2023 class of Hall of Famers. He says, with him most likely being a first ballot Hall of Famer next year, do you think people are giving a little bit of disrespect and no love to Antonio Gates? It seems like when people talk about tight ends, his name is rarely brought up, especially now when you're talking about all the numbers that Travis Kelsey's put up. I think uh, Zachary might have a point here. I think he does. Uh, I mean, Gonzalez for much of the last 20 years or so has been considered the best tight end, you know, and certainly the most productive. And then just recently, Kelsey and Gronk are, have been so in the spotlight that it's easy to forget about Gates. I I would put Gates as an easy first ballot Hall of Famer, pretty easy first ballot Hall of Famer, not at the Gonzalez-Kelsey-Gronk level, but right behind them. I mean, right there with Witten or, you know, whoever from recent memory. And to me, that's a Hall of Famer all day long. Tremendous football player, tremendous story. Um but I don't know if he's getting disrespected. Uh, I don't know if that, that might be a little strong, but he's an all-time. Well, nobody's great. saying anything bad about him. He's, he's right, right, right. He's forgotten. Nobody's talking about him. For how that, that sounds about right. Right. Yeah. And they will 
eight months from now when they start talking about Hall of Fame stuff again. He'll, he'll get his flowers. You just got to wait mm-hmm. for that uh, that five year gap, and then uh, it, it happens for a lot of guys. The league moves fast. And you right. forget, and then five years comes, and he's like, "Oh yeah, Hall of Famer guy. Let's talk more about him." He <laughs> yeah, he was great. Yeah, he's in. Uh, I know we're going over time, but I want to hit two more questions because there's okay. good ones here. super short answers here. And I'm going to answer this one from Michael. He says, free, way, free agent acquisitions can often lead to overpaying for some players. Which free agent position groups would you be the most scared to invest in if you were tackle. EM? Uh, what about <laughs> offensive, offensive tackle, offensive tackle, offensive tackle. Offensive tackle. For me, it's quarterback and paying the wrong quarterback. So like mm-hmm. Daniel Jones, if, if the Giants go crazy with Daniel Jones is to be like, what are you doing? That, that That's my answer just because the money's so big and then you're still looking f- to, to replace it. And I, even like, uh, and like Derek Carr could be in that group. And because um, we saw what happened with Kirk Cousins and like, is Kirk Cousins really driving you to closer to that Super Bowl, or are you just spending a whole bunch of money and you're, you're stuck in the loop of, you know, even though the record was great this year, I don't think it was really that different of a team when it came down to it as some of the teams that have been very mediocre uh, over the last few years. So um, yeah, I think those are the tackle quarterback. If you pay the wrong guy, there's just a shortage of human beings that are six, six and 300 pounds that can pass block against TJ Watt and Miles Garrett. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, there's just not enough of them on the planet. And McGlinchey with your team, Orlando Brown with the Super Bowl champs. They're both good tackles. They're not Tony Baselli. They're not Orlando Brown or, you know, or Orlando Pace. They're not yeah. great players. They're going to be at the top of the market financially. And that's a bad, that's a bad, bad buy. Yeah. You get stuck overpaying because you yeah. just can't find that position. You need it so bad. Yeah, exactly. The bears that have more cap space than they can spend will outbid you for them. Quickly here, Joey Bag of Donuts says, will the NFL make rules against rugby style plays on short yardage situations? I don't know, but they should. I think they should too. I would call the rule. You're not allowed to aid the ball carrier. I like it. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be, I mean, in, in a scrum, it'll be tough, but mm-hmm. you, you can't be behind him and pushing him forward. So especially by design. If you're behind the ball carrier, don't touch him, basically. Yeah. I think it's unfair advantage. I mean, I think I feel like the Eagles can get fourth and one 99% of the time. And everyone yes. on the planet knows what's coming anyway. And it's still and Chris, might only Chris Jones is leaping over the top, even. You know, just any desperation, might- you know. Yeah, yeah. And it might only drop drop to 95% of the time because I right. think part of it is because of the quarterback. But, you know, helping them too, it's just like we, we've skewed the the game toward the offense enough. That's one. And and probably player safety is part of that too. Mm-hmm. Pushing guys in all directions. Let's, uh, I, I'd like to end that for sure. I would be very uncomfortable with a tight end who's a very strong human being pushing me as hard as he can in the back while I'm trying to run into an 11-man front and, and having like no control of my body. Pushing me this way, yeah, right, 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 right. Like I feel like you don't defend yourself well, and, we and, and do it before we see that. Like I don't want to see that injury all of a sudden right, next right, right, year. Right. Jalen Hurts, week one, snaps in half, and it's yeah, like, it's back, it's bent back, or something, right. or it's a vertebrae issue, or something. Like there's a lot of room for injury there. Thanks everybody for the questions. Thanks everybody for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen. Matt and I back tomorrow. What did the Eagles? and Chiefs have to do to get back to the Super Bowl in February of 2024. Right here, Peacock and Williamson.